Okay, back here in studio with a uh, Democratic candidate for governor, Les Guerra. How you doing? Good, Jeff. How you doing? I don't think you've been on the podcast before. You've been on the, interviewed you in the studio. We did the video. We didn't do the podcast. I don't think we've done the podcast. We'll move the down, move the mic down a little bit. I'm kind of in the way. Got there it. Go. It's better. When I see your eyes. Um, so it's, you know, what, four days out? Today's fr- Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two, four days till the... Uh, the big day. Yeah, you run through the finish line. So we're calling voters. Jessica's in uh, in Juno today, and um, yeah, running through the finish line. So you filed last summer, was it? Was it tw- around summer twenty twenty one? I was younger when I filed. It was uh, fifteen months. So uh, we knew that we knew it would take fifteen months to do the kind of campaign you need to do to unseat uh, an incumbent. So Cause I remember after because after you filed, we did the um, interview with you, right? And you filed around the same time as. Was it before or after Walker filed in, in Dragas? I think Walker filed before I did, yeah. Okay. And then it's been, you know, it's been a long cycle and it's interesting. You know, you were in the legislature for a long time for what, 10 years? A lot uh, longer than that. Let's just say 10 years, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I think uh, it was maybe like 16 it, years. It was 16. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking yeah, of somebody. Yeah. Okay. So you were there a long time. And, you know, it's interesting that this last session, um, for since Dunleavy was elected in 19, there was this original kind of proposal to make some huge cuts and, and then the price of oil was down and there was this POMV thing. But but then in, you know, February, Putin invades uh, Ukraine, which I don't think anybody had on the bingo card. Prices of oil shot up. And then, you know, the revenues went, went you know, way up. And then this big dividend it almost became, at one point it was 5,500 with the Senate. And then the House kind of didn't agree and it became 3,200. But I guess, you know, if that didn't happen, you know, the dividend would have been probably 1,100 bucks again. Yeah, under so that, Dunleavy, his first three years, it averaged $1,200, $1,230. And, you know, the the truth is he's never had a way to pay for it. Like one year, his way to pay for it was to take an extra $3 billion out of the permanent fund. Uh, one year's way to pay for it was he put uh, an extra billion dollars in taxes in his 10-year plan, but he never said what they'd be. You know, one year it was to empty PCE. That's a billion dollars. You know, every year it's been to empty the scholarship fund. That's $400 million. The guy's been scrapping for money, looking for money to raid. And, um, yeah, I mean, this year we, it's not a fiscal plan to let Russia invade Ukraine and say, we're okay, we're not okay. I, I, I mean, this and this goes back, you know, even before Dunleavy uh, in 2006, I mean, early 2000s, there was the same kind of, you know, we're going to, we don't have enough money for the dividend. What are we going to do? Taxes. There was this fiscal policy group that actually Andrew Halker gave me the, 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 the final document of, and it was like him and Lisa Murkowski and. Yeah, that was bunch, 2000. Yeah, 2000, which is basically the same essentially product as this fiscal working group came up with. But then you know, they were kind of freaking out, but then the price of oil goes up in 2008, nine, it was 150 and then boom, you know, it's like all of a sudden we get kind of bailed out. Spending goes up. There was some savings, which was, which was good. But now in this current, um, kind of windfall, we aren't saving much. Look, the, there's been no fiscal plan by this governor. You know, a fiscal plan is a dorky word. Like, how are you going to raise money in the state? Because what we right, what we have right now is closing schools. What we have right now is the inability to retain a teacher, the inability to hire a teacher in most states. We got police who are just leaving. They stay here for two years because there's no pension and we don't have competitive pay. You know, you can you can you can create a backwater out of the state pretty easy. It's easy to tear apart a state. You know, over 50 communities with no law enforcement. Um, we've got a mental health crisis. You can't get mental health treatment as a child in many communities right now. There's a ton you have to do in the state. And this governor's like, well, I'm just not going to say those problems exist. And um, 
I don't know how many hours he works a day. He doesn't, I, he doesn't seem to work very hard. And uh, obviously this year we've got money, but we're not going to have money next year. And so the question is, what are you going to do? Uh, because right now his governance is you either get a dividend or you get schools or you get a university or you get a marine highway or you get construction projects. And oddly enough, the lack of a construction budget in the state um, is what has caused so many people to leave for, I've, for I've, 10 I've, years. I've kind of joked that eventually I want to, write this article. It's, I've, I've already started writing it. It's called uh, Mike Dunleavy, the black swan governor. And you know, you know, the black swan, it's like an event that nobody ever foresaw uh, that, that happens. And, and the first, you know, black swan event was COVID because there was this whole recall he was dealing with. And yeah. after the recall, he obviously kind of curtailed some of his, you know, early ideas and um, you know, they got the signatures both rounds and, and they were going to, uh, it was going to be, when well, they had the first round and they were working on the second round to put it on the ballot and then COVID happens, which is a once in a hundred year event. And, you know, that, that kind of stops that. And then this, this, uh, Putin thing, you know, the price of oil goes up, that kind of creates another bailout. And then in this campaign, um, you know, he does have an issue for sure with some of the base, whether it's the, you know, the people who don't like Anzink crowd or, or whether it's, um, you know, the people who, you know, just don't, don't think he's conservative enough, but he's really never had a real conservative challenger. Like in this race, I mean, Charlie Pierce doesn't count. I mean, the guy's not even really, hasn't raised money. He's not really campaigning much. Right. They knew that. They kept Charlie in the race because they knew Charlie wouldn't raise money because the sexual harassment allegations had come out before, before the, the dropout deadline. Chris Kirka asked him to drop out saying, look, I know you're not going to run a campaign and he wouldn't drop out. I think I actually thought Kirka was going to be the fourth person because yeah. he was actually campaigning quite a bit in the primary. He had that big bus and he was going around and they were, you know, smashing printers, calling them Dominion voting machines and. Right. I think um, you and I had a bet on that. I told you I thought Charlie Pierce was going to beat him, but uh Yeah, I think yeah. we yeah, we do we do I, do I owe you money? You probably <laughs> you probably owe me 5 bucks. But <laughs> but you know, in all seriousness, you know, the the Dunleavy will lose if people remember Mike Dunleavy who was 2019 Mike Dunleavy. That's who he'll be if he gets reelected. Quarter billion dollars of cuts to public education, roughly 50% attempted cut to the university. Um you know, in South Central people don't think a lot about the Marine Highway, but if you live in a coastal community, that's your lifeblood. And uh he almost shut down the Marine Highway. That's what a 75% cut would have done. Um, that's who Mike Dunleavy is. He's the guy who brought that Florida budget director up in a mink coat on a 40-degree 40, 40 day in Juneau. She walked around Juneau in a mink coat. and, da, and da, Donna Arduin. And that's who he'll be if he gets reelected. You know, he'll, he, he won't have – he won't – he had to behave during COVID. He had to behave when he had the recall going on against him. Uh, but, you know – uh, the question is, do you want 2019 Mike Dunleavy again? I think a lot of people remember 2019 Mike Dunleavy. That's who he really is, and that's who you'll see if he gets reelected. So um, that's why I'm, that's I'm, why I'm working so hard to to replace him. And, and I would just come you know come back with that. I mean, I was in Juno in nine. I've been there the last four years, and it was pretty crazy the first year. Um, I would say since then he he has kind of tempered him, himself with some better you know some more moderate or I guess normal people like you know Tuckerman was a big kind of force then and Donna Arduin and now there's like Tyson Gallagher and um, there was like Laura Steidoff for a while who was a long time. So he did bring some more seasoned normal people in. Yeah, we know it. I mean, 2019 Mike Dunleavy is who he is. He was decimate education, decimate the university, um, decimate what creates a future in the state. And then he was told, look, if you're going to get through these four years, you better moderate a little bit, but he'll be back to 2019. I think if he's reelected, because at that point he's reelected. So so my, my goal is to make sure he's not. Like, I, I grew up, you know my story. You've heard it before, but it's who I am. I grew up in foster care. I, want, I believe everybody deserves a, a damn chance in this world. And, uh, and whether you're born rich or poor, but I think if you're not born wealthy, you're tossed to the side by this governor. 
The only thing he does is dangle a dividend that he never proposes funding for. And the funding this year came with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, we would have all supported the dividend that, that got passed this year with an energy check. That made sense. But but Russia's not always, hopefully, they're not always going to be in Ukraine. And oil prices are going to go back down. And then Mike Dunleavy will be back to who he really is, which is somebody who doesn't care about public education. I think this is, you know, it's when you when you say it, it's it makes sense. But most people don't think about it. The last time a governor has been reelected was Knowles in 98. And the last time a Republican governor has been reelected was Jay Hammond in 1978. Like we don't really reelect. Gov- I mean, it's r- rare for a governor to get reelected in the state. Um, so, you know, the, the history is really not there. But with this new ranked choice system, I want to you know ask you, it's and, and you and uh, Bill Walker came out with your lieutenant governor candidates did a video last week and encouraging people to rank the other camp, the other um, ticket se- uh, second. What, you know, what what do you see happening here? Because you, you, you eked out a little bit of a second place victory in the primary with, but you guys basically split the vote. You and Bill split the, you know, remainder of the vote. I mean, I know Kirk yeah. got some and Pierce, but. The whole idea in ranked choice voting is you don't split the vote, you share the vote, right? So we wanted to remind people in ranked choice voting, your first vote vote, your first choice vote is your most important, but pick a second choice vote for somebody that is okay with you because you don't want that third person. So Bill and I are, you know, we're, we're 10 degrees of separation apart, but, but Mike Dunleavy is a hundred degrees of separation apart from us. So, um, you know, I could live for four years with a Walker administration. Bill is okay with four years of me as governor. Neither of us are okay with what Mike Dunleavy will do to the state. He will decimate what gives people a chance to to succeed in this world. I mean, this will be a state where if you're born rich, great. If you're not born rich, you don't have a chance. Uh, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about public education. He's trying to empty the financial aid system, uh, the fund that that provides uh, scholarship money for people who can't afford job training or go to, to go to the university. Um, that's who he is. He tried to empty the power cost equalization fund to people in urban Alaska. That doesn't mean anything to people in rural Alaska. That means everything that he, says that says your electricity costs can be brought down to an affordable level. And, uh, you know, he's tried to empty every fund he can. It's like if is, you're if you're is, not born wealthy, you're not Mike's guy. Is there any is there anything you like about him? Because I mean, you, you serve with him in the legislature. Yeah, so. I, I can have a conversation with him. We can talk. Uh, you know, he used to fish when he was in Pennsylvania, I guess, where he grew up. And I fish here and we talk about fishing. But. But no, there's, uh, he's he's decimated the foster care system. If you want to go straight to my soul, hey, hey, have at it, Mike. You know, if you want to destroy the foster care system and give kids no chance whatsoever because they're already traumatized and you're going to tra- traumatize them more with a messed up foster care system where you're hiring 21-year-olds with no experience whatsoever who then leave after six months and go to work at Subway because it's less, less, le- less stressful, which is what's happening. He's hiring unqualified people um, at $24 an hour to decide whether or not to rip apart a family and what to do with the so, kids. So, so is this, and, and I, I know you're, you know, this, it's, that's your issue, you know, a lot more about, more about this than me, but is this, I mean, this has been a problem for, I've heard about the foster care it's and the OCS than for a, ever. Lo- it's for a worse long time. This has been a problem for, it's for wor- years. It's worse than ever. It's the worst ever. There are foster kids, we have such a lack of foster homes right now because this governor has let that system fall apart even worse than it was ever falling apart. We don't have foster parents. There are kids sitting in hospitals because there are no foster homes ready for them, and the hospitals hold on to them for $3,000 a day, which we pay until they find a placement for a kid. And often that placement is Covenant House, or it's my house in the Valley. It's, 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 it's heartless what this guy is doing. Look, let's get away from foster care. I mean, we, we know that he doesn't care about a workable foster care system that gives people a chance in the world. Um, education gives people a chance. A university gives people a chance. Financial aid, if you can't afford college, gives you a chance in this world. We've got to have money in the state so we can do these things again. Governor Dunleavy's play is no money, 
will, will starve the beast. He call, he considers public education the beast. He considers uh, foster care the beast. Yeah, a big government program to sort of deal with kids who get abused in their lives. Yeah, it is messed up under you. You're taking kids away from families when you shouldn't because you, you've screwed the system so badly. But um, let's make this thing work again. We can, I mean, we, he, was, he was a teacher. He was a superintendent. So, I mean, he must... I, I don't think it's fair to say he doesn't care about education. I mean, he was a teacher and a super... I mean, we spend a lot of money in education. I'm not saying, you know, I have the answer, but, but you know, the outcomes are, are not, not great in Alaska. We see this every year. It comes out, the reading scores or the math scores. So he doesn't care about education policy, right? Um, so, yeah, he was a teacher, and he came in and he tried to propose a $280 million of cuts to public education. That would have, that would have laid off 2,800 teachers, educators, guidance counselors, nurses. That would have. We already have the worst education crisis in state history. If what he proposed passed, we would have. It would just. We'd be. We'd be a, the biggest backwater in the country. And uh, and so, does he not care about kids? Nobody doesn't care about kids. Does he not care about the policy that gives children a chance to succeed in this world? He does not care about the policy that gives children a chance to succeed in this world. I was just over at an education meeting with 500 school board members. And they can't wait for this governor to be gone because what he's doing is he underfunds schools. He does. We're the only state in the country that doesn't give teachers a pension. Let's forget about whether you agree with a pension or not. If every other state is offering police and teachers a pension, and they're just leaving Alaska to go to those other states, you're not competitive. No, I mean, even as uh, current corrections commissioner um, Jim Cockrell, he said at a, at a during a confirmation hearing, he told uh, one of the legislative committees that. We're basically a, a recruiting ground for Western states. They yeah. come here, they get the training, and I think I think it's maybe five years when you get kind of like vested, and they go in Washington State, it's Nevada, not, California, because they get the, the better you know retirement. They're not even five years. The Kenai police chief says he uh, he spends ten thousand dollars to train a police officer. They fish, they hunt up here, they have fun. God bless them for doing that. They put their lives on the line, and after two years, they're leaving Kenai. Um, you know, it's a this is a backwater on public so, so, public so, safety, on education, and this governor doesn't care about the policy to make things better. Have you ever heard him talk about the housing crisis? There's a housing crisis in every community in the state. He's never talked about it. He's never talked about the mental health crisis. There's so much to put back together in the state. Um, it's 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 mind-boggling. We don't have mental health practitioners for kids. We don't have substance abuse treatment for people who are battling substance abuse problems in especially rural Alaska. But and, not we, even and we, we even see, you know, in Anchorage, we have, I've done, we've done a, uh, me and Scott Jensen have done a ton of work on homelessness. We made two videos. We've, I stayed in the Sullivan Arena, um, and, and this goes back decades. We, we, if somebody is homeless in Anchorage right now and has a substance abuse problem or a mental health problem, um, they really can't get help unless they have access to wealthy family or money or some very unique, you know, case, there's really nowhere to go. Like, Hey, I want help. I need help. There's nowhere to go. And then when you go to like Sullivan arena and this is more of a, you know, local Anchorage problem, but I mean, I think it's, you know, it's resemblant of the state. Um, nobody can get help unless they're wealthy or they have connections. And then the problem gets worse. You go to the Sullivan arena, you go to some shelter. It's not a place to get better. It's it's actually a place to get worse. Yeah, no, you did a you did a good story on that, and I'm glad you went there and saw what was happening. There are, look, you can either ignore the problems, and that's what this governor has done: uh, education, mental health, substance abuse, the things that people, uh, the things that decide whether people succeed in this world or whether they just cost society more money. And he's chosen the route that says cost society more money and don't help uplift people. Uh, I can't. I have to run right. 
Uh, I have to run because the way I grew up, I got lucky. Yeah, I grew up in foster care. My father was killed when I was six, but I got lucky. I went to college. I got to go to law school. I started working when I was 12, whatever. I got financial aid, which, which somebody who has no money should get so they can succeed in this world. I had a chance in this world. I don't see people like me having a chance in this world, not just foster kids, people not born with money. I don't see them having a chance in this world. That's what matters to me more than anything. Look, I fish. I don't see this governor's fisheries policies are awful. What he's done to allow outside factory trawlers decimate fish in Western Alaska, what he's done, uh, you know, he still supports the Pebble Mine, though he says he doesn't support it. He just sues on behalf of Pebble to help them get permits. Uh, It's a recreational thing, I guess, for him. Um, uh, So, you know, but everything he has done has been wrong on fish. Everything he has done has been wrong on education. Here's the problem and, and, and something that you need. The problem is we haven't had a leader who has who has pushed a fiscal plan that people can support. We need revenue in the state. Look, I, tell me I'm wrong. I believe that uh, oil company tax credits are unaffordable. You can tell me I'm wrong and you can say there's some other things that can be more popular with the public. Um, but we need to have revenue in the state or else you can't afford schools. And then you can't, you'll be left in this world, which is Mike Dunleavy world, which is, it's like a bad menu. You either get column A, a permanent fund dividend, or column B, schools, or column C, a university, or column D, a construction budget that puts people to work. It's oddly enough, as a Democrat, you know, Democrat, you know, nationwide, I fit in sort of the moderate level of Democrat. I'm a guy who believes in oil development, a guy who believes in Anwar, um, you know, by Alaska standards. Yeah, I think that I think that if you're I, I think if you're an LGBTQ plus person, it's not my business what you do with your life. If you want to call that liberal, that's fine. But but unless we have money in the state, we're just a bad menu where you pick between a dividend or a future. I'm running the thing we need the most is not a political thing. It's not a Democratic or Republican thing. We need, we didn't have a construction budget or a capital budget for a decade. People left, and we're wondering where all the workers went. Well, the truck drivers. I mean, that was because there was because when there was big construction budgets, capital budgets in two thousand until eight, nine, ten till two thousand fourteen, and, and then you know when the because the price of oil started going down in yeah. fourteen after Walker actually won. He he won, and it was. Set in the 70s or 80s still, and then a few months later it went down, and then by the 15 it was down in the 30s. Yeah, a big deal also was the change of the oil tax system. You know, we now have we now give away 1.2 billion dollars in oil company tax credits when we can't afford schools. I think that's backwards. Um, look, let's come up with a rational oil tax system so, that's so, so, fair so, to so, industry and fair to fair to fair to the people of the state of Alaska. We don't have that. So right speaking now. speaking of oil tax, I mean, you talk about this a lot. Bill Wilikowski talks about this stuff a lot. Some other people do, but you you and Bill are probably some of the louder voices. I go to Juno. This comes up whether it's a per barrel credit or whether it's some of the other stuff. And it just never go. I mean, it never goes anywhere. I'll tell you why. I mean, the legislature doesn't. I mean, the governor's. I don't think on board with changing it. I mean, some people have talked about the per bar- lowering the per barrel credit a little bit. Um, you know, especially at the higher, the lower prices or the higher prices would have some more. Um, no, I guess the lower prices would have some more impact. But um, it just never. It can't even now. Last time when the whole thing blew up in the Senate, Stedman actually had a little hearing in the Senate Finance Committee on this, and it was more of a. A show here, but I mean, it freaked people out. Everybody kind of like all, all the, you know, oil folks got nervous and everybody, but then it was just like a show thing and it was a day and then it went away. That's the thing is you need a governor who will lead. This governor has led by saying we don't want revenue in the state. So there was no, you know, just like, well, just, at one point he did say we need revenue, but he, like, you're right. It was in 10 year plan a couple of years ago, but then there was never any, I mean, I think they were talking about gaming for a little bit, which is some little bit of revenue. They were almost on board with some kind of maybe sales tax, but then that got pulled back last minute a couple of years ago. He proposed $1.2 billion of taxes. He didn't say what they would be, and then he withdrew it after he, it was unpopular. But 
Uh, so we never know what Texas he's really. I actually heard at one of the press conferences. Someone told me they were going to go out in the press. This is a couple of years ago, and they were going to unveil a combination of kind of sales tax and, and gaming and some other things. They were they were like it was it was like in the meeting before the you know press conference. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to pitch, and and like off like in the press conference off script, he just kind of like switched, changed his mind. Like he didn't like literally before the meeting, they were talking about this plan to have some revenues, and then. In the press conference, it was like, nope, like audible. We're not going to do that. This is the state you get. I'm, I'm going back to the capital budget. It was, it was pretty, it was about 500, it averaged about $500 million in state money every year until 2014. That was the average. Was it a $2 billion for, you know, a couple, couple uh, years? If but, you're counting state money, it's $500 million. So then there's the federal money. But state state money, about $500 million um, average for the decade until 2014. And then since then, and under this governor until this year, it was a hundred million dollars. That's the minimum needed just to well, leverage federal money. And I think it, I think in nine and ten, I think it was two billion in state money. It was really, really, really big. There, there were there 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 was a year. There were two years where I voted against it because it was too big. It was, it was jammed up with. I mean, every, yeah. I actually had a staffer telling me back in back in the you know when it was really big, two thousand eight, nine or nine ten time. Right. Um, they got a call, and they're working for somebody in the. It would have been somebody in the, I guess, Senate coalition. And they got a call from a constituent about some nonprofit. And they said, we're requesting, you know, $50,000 for whatever. And the staffer wrote it down and said, okay, I'll have my boss uh, get back to you on this. What's it for? And they said, oh, I don't know. Just have him call me. So the staffer put to be determined, gave it to the boss, forgot about it. A few months later in the budget, the the, the, the enacted budget, there was a $50,000 line item for this nonprofit, TBD. Funny. (laughs) You know? <laughs> but, uh, the, the reason I bring up the capital budget is, according to the University of Alaska, you uh, $400 million of cuts to the capital budget, which builds harbors, which puts construction workers and laborers and electricians to work, that helps us do the $2 billion of maintenance we're behind on in the state. You cut that by $400 million, which is what it's been cut um, since 2014. You lose 4,000 jobs. So people say there's a worker shortage right now. People left. Electricians left. Laborers left. Professionals left. And then when you don't have those people with money, there's no money to spend at a restaurant, no money to spend at a hardware store, and and businesses shrivel. Um, So that's, you know, when people have... We've talked about how 20,000 more people have left the state than have moved here under this governor. It's because he didn't do anything to fix the construction budget. Now, in coming years, if we're smart, we'll be able to leverage a lot of federal money, and that's going to help. But over the long term, you have to have a construction budget if you're going to build renewable energy projects, if you're going to put people to work, and if you're going to keep a workforce. But it's got to be now one that's a more modern workforce. So we got to figure out what that we've got, so, what that is. I want to ask you, you were in the legislature a long time, I guess probably four, four governors. You started with Murkowski and then Palin, Murkowski, Palin Parnell, Parnell, Walker. Walker. Um, one thing I noticed about Dunleavy, and I, I was never in the Capitol, you know, before nineteen really for the for the session, but he's not been super engaged with legislators. I mean, I don't think I've really ever seen him in the in the, in the Capitol other than the third floor. Other governors have been more engaged. I mean, if you were to be elected, I mean, how important is it for the governor to work with the legislature? And if they don't work with the legislature, we see this kind of the last four years of just very acrimonious uh, relationship between Dunleavy and, and the House and the Senate. Even though the you know Senate had a Republican majority, it was still kind of a fake majority because the Democrats were really working with some of the Republicans, and that was the real majority. I don't know what the real majority is. The governor needs to work, right? The, look, when I worked with Mike Dunleavy, I'd see him leave work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's not a worker, right? And uh, 
Um, and 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 if you speak to any legislator, <laughs> you don't like you don't like Mike Dunleavy. I don't like I don't like, don't like his like lack that. of any work ethic. I don't like his lack of any consideration for what the policies would be to fix the state. He, that I don't like as a person. I'm sure he's a good dad. I'm sure he's a good husband. Uh, I'm sure he liked teaching when he taught, but he doesn't care about the policy that moves the state forward. That's what he doesn't care about. I don't like people who are lazy. He's lazy. I don't like that. You know, uh, like whatever we agree or disagree with about, you know that I work hard. And, uh, and you have to, number one, work hard to figure out the policies that work. Number two, work across party lines. Every bill I ever got passed, I had to get through a Republican Senate. You have to be able to work with people across party lines. Um, the last foster care bill I got is the biggest foster care reform in state history to help kids have an opportunity in this world. That got passed through a 15 to 5 Republican Senate. When it got through the Senate, Pete Kelly, the most conservative of all of all of, all of them, invited me over so we could, so I could watch this arcane thing in the Senate where where every senator to co-sponsor that my bill, they had to stand up one by one and say I'd like to co-sponsor it, and uh, and so he invited me over because he knew that was going to happen. You have to find ways to get along with Republicans. You have to find ways to get along with everybody. And if you're just going to be an ideologue, Governor Dunleavy at one point said he just represents the people who voted for him. That's crazy. You vote. You represent everybody, right? You you. you Somebody once said you've got to sort of drive the middle of the road as, as, as a leader, and you sort of do have to drive the middle of the road. If you have some crazy middle-of-the-night idea, it's not going to pass. Cut it out. Just drop it, right? Uh, this, you know, Governing isn't about sort of finding fringe crazy ideas. It's about driving the middle of the road. People care about education. They want their kids to have a chance in the world. They want a job. They want a good-paying job. And then what, is our, what does our economy look like in the future? Um, and I think we have to we have to make the university nimble enough to tra- train people for the jobs of today and for the future. It's it's in part mental health professionals and and you know I've traveled rural Alaska. We should be training people in those communities so they can serve in those communities. So don't, they don't have to leave their homes. So there's it is much better for a child in Bethel to have a Bethel raised teacher uh, who who can speak Yupik. Uh, um, uh, than it is to have somebody come in from the Philippines or from Kansas for two years and leave. Yeah, no, I've talked to some over the years. I've lived here almost you know, 20 years, and people come up here to teach for, you know, in the rural Alaska out of, out of, out of college, and they last, you know, some people just leave when they get there. Yeah. They, they don't even stay. And then other people stay a year or two, and you know, you're right. I mean, there's a huge turnover. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, there's very difficult problems, but... Um, We've You're turned, right. I mean, it, it is a problem. We've turned our back on on development in rural Alaska, and part of it is teach people the skills that they want to have, so they can do the jobs in their own community. So we don't have people coming in for a couple of years and leaving. Coming in, I, for a I remember years, a, and leaving. A, a years ago, I met a, I met a, a woman who came here and she was teaching in rural Alaska, and she told me one of the saddest things she ever saw was there was a kid in the class, and it was you know a small village, and the kid was you know like bright. I mean, high IQ, high IQ, extremely bright, way, you know, she couldn't cater to this kid because she, there was, you know, all the other kids and told the parents, hey, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I can't, you know, and they didn't want to send the kid away because cause, cause it was, you know, living. they wanted to have the kid home, but the, she couldn't really foster that kid. And the kid was like so bright. I mean, you know, probably just super high IQ. And it was just really, you know, she was kind of sad because she couldn't give the kid the attention the kid needed to really thrive. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of sad stories in the state. The goal is to minimize those sad stories because uh, some of those sad stories you can't do anything about. Some of those sad stories you can do something about. And I guess my my objection to this governor is he doesn't care about doing the things that he can do something about. It's uh, you know he's in his office for a couple hours a day. Uh, most legislators don't get to talk to him. Louise Stutz, Speaker of the House. She said, I could never get a meeting with him. I mean, I'm sure she had a couple meetings with him, but when she called, she would just usually was, get silence. Kind of, remember early on, I don't know if you remember, there was like, 
you met with everybody, but you had to turn the phone in the box and, you know, they, they made you, they made the legislators give their phone. Uh, that was his, that was his control freak. Uh, it was like a Tuckerman Babcock, I think thing, but it was like, it was a control freak era when he also f- told you, you're going to be fired if you don't agree with me and give me a loyalty oath, which violated the constitution. But you know, the guy says he likes you, the you, constitution. You, you, you know what I heard from somebody a, a few months back and it was somebody that would have known and this never got reported. And I, I've actually never said it public. I've told a few people, but that loyalty thing, that letter was only supposed to go to like a few people, like 80 people. It was a very targeted thing, but they fucked up and they sent it to everybody by accident. And, and by that time, after they sent it, they couldn't claw it back. It was too late, but it was, it was like a big mistake. It was only supposed to go to like a few people. If it was a mistake, you should have said it was a mistake. I mean, that doesn't well, they, say they, anything they, good about you. They didn't want to, I mean, I guess once it went out, they didn't want to back off, but yeah. I mean like what a, what a bad way, what a bad start, you know, when you, when you get elected and then, you know, you get that honeymoon or whatever, but then right off the bat, you know, it was like, you know, 800 people or a thousand people. Hey, you know, if you want to work here, you got to sign this. Well, the funny thing is, you know, he talks about how conservative he is, but he's really big on giving his friends high paying state jobs. And so um, I don't think he's that conservative. Uh, he, well, I was he, the one who broke the, uh, well, Clark Penny contract back yeah. in, that was back in 19, that sole source deal for, for uh, Alaska development or. Yeah. There have been more ugly sort of probably illegal contracts under this governor than every governor I ever served at served under, including Frank Murkowski, you put them all together. There was more, there's been more. So, so I, I got to ask you, you've been very critical yeah. of the th- today into the campaign and yeah. you know, there's a lot, 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 of, lot of things you don't like, but right now in the polling, it shows he's, you know, mid, mid to high forties on the first round. And depending what happens with this Pierce character and how many votes he gets and how the reallocation goes. I mean, why, why do you think, you know, with this, all these issues you've raised and, and there are some criticisms, why do you think he's still getting, you know, almost half the vote on the first round? So he's, it depends on what poll you look at, right? I, we think that that last poll that you're referencing um, is very sort of Republican heavy. It's it's inconsistent with any other poll we've seen. This is a Dittman Research poll yeah, that yeah, I got. Yeah, yeah. so it, was, yeah, it yeah. showed him at 47 on the first round, and yeah. you you and uh, you a little bit. I think you in second with 25, and yeah. Bill was right behind you at 24, it's, 23. It's different than every poll we've seen. Uh, the the polling that is most consistent with our internal polling was Ivan Moore's last poll, which had me and Walker in a basically a dead a statistical dead heat against Dunleavy about two point shy of the 50% mark. That was over a month ago. Uh, we believe we have momentum since then. I personally believe from the feedback that I got that we did very well in the statewide debates, that we did very well in the AFN debates. We think we have momentum from that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, all the polls are wrong until election mm-hmm. day. But, uh, no, but I mean, I, And I watched all the debates and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think I, I kind of joke with somebody. If somebody was not from Alaska, had, had no um, familiarity with Alaska, and they just were here to watch the debate, they probably would have said you won because you, you know, you were very kind of sharp and, and you, you have a lot of, you know, you kind of stay on the message. And, um, I, I think that would, I also talked about the things I believed in. I think those well, things I would just say you, like your debating style. I mean, I would yeah. think if there was a stranger with, with no history or understanding of Alaska, right. they probably would have, Oh, this guy, but you know, it's, it's still, we live in this Republican kind of leaning state where Trump won and you're, you're kind of as a Democrat. I mean, the last Democrat to win statewide was, well, I guess Paltola, um, in, yeah. in August, That's but it was, exactly it was it. before that it was, uh, you know, um, Begich in 2008. That's exactly it. The last Democrat to win was three months ago. And uh, I think the state is changing. I think that 
the state is ready for change. Look, we'll see, right? I mean, I, I don't, I don't even. I had the highest rated pollster of anybody. You know, the five thirty eight dot com rates pollsters. Oh, that's over. Yeah, no, yeah, and so ours, Lake Research, we hi- we didn't want crap polls, so we hired the best pollster there was, which is Lake Research. There, there was rated an A B pollster by by five thirty eight. Every other pollster in this race has been a B C pollster or worse, and so look. I, I don't even put a lot of stock into an A pollster, right? It's it's um those things move so much we stopped polling a month and a half ago. Well and some of the pollsters I know have told me that it's 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 pretty challenging to poll rank choice. It is. It's much more difficult than just, hey, who are you voting for? Right. You have to who's your second choice? Who's your third choice? Are right. you gonna even do that? That's exactly. I, and my pollster told me not even to bother uh, polling ranked choice. We did it the second time. The first time we did it, she said, don't do it. It's it, We can't do it. Voters don't understand it. How do you poll something the voters don't understand? And then if you're going to tell somebody who's your second choice, you're prompting them to do a second choice when maybe they weren't going to do a mm-hmm. second choice. So, um, yeah, ranked choice polling, I think, is frankly, it's so, it's not, it's, let's just say politely, it's challenging and and the best pollster who pulled this race told me not to do it. So if this election would have been in June or if the Supreme Court would have overturned Roe, you know, a few weeks ago, I think the, the, the issue is the issue would, you know, be abortion since that's happened in June, the Roe v. Wade thing, that was a big deal. You know, we saw in it was Kansas, there was this thing in the ballot that failed 60%. Um, but now it's like, I think a lot more people are, have moved on from that. It's still an issue to some people. But, you know, inflation, the cost of goods, you know, the economy, these seem to be bigger concerns. Um, You've very expressly said in the campaign you're the only kind of pro-choice ticket. Um, Walker has, they're they're also kind of pro-choice, but Bill's personally pro-life, so you've kind of pointed that out. But, but, I mean, how much do you think uh, this Roe v. Wade thing, this abortion issue is going to factor in now compared to when it you know, first happened back in June. Bill and I have very different records on a woman's right to choose. I, I mean, I've got the only pro-choice record in the state. I appreciate that Bill says, uh, I mean, he said it last time, but he says his, he says he'll put together, he'll put aside his pro-life views. That is way better for me. You know, he says he'll uphold, he'll, he'll put his pro-life views to the side. That is, that's why he, that's in part why he gets my second choice vote. That is way better to me than Mike Dunleavy, who says expressly that he will take away your right to choose with a constitutional amendment if he gets reelected. So yeah, did, I mean, did, it's, did, it's, did he did he say? Yeah, he said that. that I, he, I know I know he wants a convention. I don't know no. if he said he wants to take away. He says he'll do a constitutional amendment, take away a woman's right to choose. Um, and uh, the way he says it is his sort of his very. Uh, it's a constitutional amendment that will say he wants to take away a woman's right to choose. He says I'll do a constitutional amendment. We'll just see what the voters say. That those are the words that he used. Well, yeah. Well, if you file it and you're trying to take a woman's right to choose away. That, don't say we're just doing it to see what people say, right? I mean, just have the guts to say to have the guts to stand well, up for and, what you and believe. That was my criticism on on this dividend thing. I mean, he came out in March of 2021 for the 50/50. There was a press conference with Lyman Hoffman, Louise Stutz, Peter Mitchell. There was like 20 legislators. Yeah. And then he came out with the 50/50. And then for a year, the legislative working group got together and the fiscal policy group, and they said 50/50. And everybody everybody was kind of behind 50/50 until the price of oil went up. And then he came out and said. No, let's, let's shoot it up to 3,700 or 4,500. Um, and then when I asked about that at one of the press conferences, he said, well, he said, well, we have to let the people. I mean, I think, you know, leadership requires a leader to say, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's why it's good and sell that instead of his now thing is it's got to go to the people. And I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, people are going to vote for as much money as they can get. Sure. Because most people, I, I talk to folks all the time who say we can cut the budget in half or, you know, there's all these things ha- like they think there's unlimited money and it's all going to waste and it's all corrupt, you know. We've we've seen what's 
happened when they've tried to cut the budget a little bit. They, they have cut it actually quite a bit from, from 10 years ago. It's gone down a lot, the operating and capital budget. Yeah. I just don't think there's that much more to, I mean, there's probably a little more, but it's not billions. There's no, well, there, whatever there is to cut, you've underfunded schools by $150 million. You've underfunded um, the Marine Highway. You've underfunded scholarships. You, you, have, you have to put some money into mental health training to, so that we can get a mental health workforce. You've got to, um, we probably have, we have to train teachers in the state again, right? I mean, there, there's more things that cost money than things where you can find savings at this point. Um, so you, you just have to say, look, we're going to do the things that, that matter in the state. His view on the permanent fund dividend is what will get him votes. And um, uh, if you remember in 2016, when Governor Walker vetoed the dividend, Bill Wilkowski, I, I, I sent over a message, the House sent over a message saying we want to override the veto. And we sent that to the Senate, but the House and Senate have to both meet to override. And uh, Bill yeah, Wilkowski, joint, joint session, joint yeah. session. Bill Wilkowski says, you know, he filed a motion to join the House to override the veto. And um, and Mike Dunleavy voted no to not override the veto. Mike Dunleavy does not believe in the dividend. He never. Well, I think has. that was a procedural vote okay. in the caucus. It was a, the vote. The motion was, "Shall we join the House to override the veto?" And Mike Dunleavy said, "Oh, procedurally, I'm just going to vote no." He voted no. Right? You can dress it up in all the procedural garb you want. He voted no. He's never. Right, believed I mean, you, you in were the you were in the majority. I mean, a lot. I mean, there's kind of agreements. You have to kind of. Support the chair, support, support the caucus on these procedural votes, and I mean, you're right. I mean, he did vote, but I think a lot of times these votes, you know, happen, and it's 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 kind of supporting the the chair or the the the, the caucus. His history is he's never believed in the dividend, and he, even as governor, he proposed the spending part like a 1970s liberal. He proposed the spending part, but never proposed the how to pay for it part because he because <laughs> he doesn't believe in it. If you really believed in it, you'd have proposed something that was funded. And he he said, "Here's I don't care that it's not funded. I'm putting it on the table." He didn't believe in it. And so, um, you know, I think he's used it as a way to get votes. Uh, I think it'll be back to a $1,200 dividend if he's reelected. I believe in the dividend, right? I believe in a, as big a dividend as you can afford. You could afford, if we do oil tax reform and end, end most of these oil company tax credits, we could have good schools and we could have a dividend well over $2,000 that grows every year. Um, people in poorer communities need the dividend. Right? I think that's the that's the mistake that a lot of the anti-dividend people don't understand. They don't get out of their own circles you and I, Jeff, maybe we don't need the dividend as much, but somebody, somebody in a town where 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 gas costs seventeen dollars a gallon and there's not much of a cash economy, that person needs a dividend. I was I was in Nome before I decided I was going to run. I I did this sort of thing and I was serious about it. I wasn't sure if I was going to run, but I was thinking about it. I, so I think I, I said I, I was thinking about it, and this this guy in Nome yells across the street to me and says, "Les Guerra, I want you to be my governor. Get me my dividend." He was a poorer guy. He was somebody who needed the money. And, and I think a lot of our sort of, um, you know, wealthier friends don't understand that. When I used to knock on doors in Anchorage, I had a poor section of my neighborhood. It was Fairview. I had a wealthier section, South Edition. And South Edition, people, were, people said, cut the dividend. And in Fairview, people said, please get me my dividend. It's income-based. It's not party-based. Um, there are Republicans who can't stand the dividend, right? They see it as, they see it as a liberal handout. There are Democrats. Natasha Vanimhoff. Von, yeah, <laughs> Pete Kelly. Pete Kelly. Not, Mia Costello before beca- she became Mia Costello 2.0, right? She hated the dividend. She she told me she hates the dividend, right? She's like she was a thousand dollar dividend person, and then something happened. She went up to that Wasilla special session, and all of a sudden she was a we've cut the budget enough. She, she, she was like the leader of that special session. She she was a she said we we'd cut the budget enough by 2018. She said she wanted to cut the dividend to a thousand dollars. All of a sudden she's in Wasilla saying. 
now well, let's cut the budget by $500 million. I changed my mind. And all of a sudden she's a dividend person. Something happened. I, something happened. I mean, Mike Dunleavy said well, something to be, her. Must be the water out there. And now, now she's got a real race with, I think she's in trouble with claiming. Uh, I, think West she, Anchorage. I think she was probably told, go to Wasilla or else we're going to primary you. I think is what happened. That's what I think. And, and look, look at the current situation. Now she's got Matt Clayman, yeah. who, who got, you know, a lot more votes in the primary and it's a heads up raise. Well, last thing I want to ask you, I mean, it's the four days left. You know, there's kind of the campaign's more or less over. I mean, it's kind of the get out the vote. But at this point, what are, you, what are your plans for the next four days? Yeah, the campaign is working. Our volunteers are working. Our staff is working on getting out the vote. Uh, how's, Nate, how's Nate Graham doing? Love that guy. Nate's doing good. Campaign man. He's, yeah, yeah, he, Nate's I was doing good. Sad when he left Juno because he's, he's a fun guy to be, be around in Juno. We'll, we'll bring him back to Juno. We'll bring him back. Okay. So, well, yeah, uh, if you win, what's Nate going to be? Is he going to be, what's he going to be? I haven't promised a single job. My ethics tell me I don't promise Come on, a single no, job. Well, you haven't promised one. Promised, I have not promised a single job. There's a woman named Megan Topcock uh, uh, who from Nome. Um, I think her last name has changed. She she is she is she is sharp as heck. She is sharp as heck. Um, she knows mental health issues, and I would love to have somebody like that in my administration. I don't know what you know. Like I have, I don't believe in offering jobs. Like I, when I'm running, it just seems wrong. I have my ideas of the people who I'd love to have in in in, in the cabinet. But, but I mean, Nate, Nate probably gets something if he wants. I, I assume. It. I'm not. That's how it works in the jobs. campaign, and you win, and then the person gets. A job. That's, I mean, that's it doesn't feel normal. right to me to offer a single job, but yeah, people will get the, the jobs based on their merits. Here's something I just thought about. What if you win? Does 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 Walker get some something? Does he get a commissioner? No, Walker and I have talked and joked about it, and I think we both agreed we don't want a single job from each other. You know, you know, if there's something, if he wins, and there's something where I can help kids, you know, yeah, maybe. But I don't want to. Uh, trust me, I don't want to be attorney general. I'm not qualified to be attorney general. I haven't practiced law since 2000, so. I don't, I don't feel like I don't, there's no commissionership that makes me interested. What, 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 what about, uh, what, director of oil and gas, oil and gas division? <laughs> I know. More likely, I think I'll be hiring Walker. We believe that we're, that we're ahead of Walker in this, but, um, uh, but no, both of us have decided. I mean, we, we joked about it. Neither of us want a job from each other. So what's the, you know, your plan in the next couple of days? Uh, making a lot of phone calls to undecided voters, uh, going to as many events um, where I think people are, are interested in hearing from uh, candidates. And and then uh, Kelly and I are, Kelly wants to have a little get together at the house with staff and volunteers and people who've been great to us during the campaign. Um, and uh, we'll do that on Tuesday night and uh, and hopefully become the next governor of the state of Alaska. I think the, the polling says we have a really, really good shot at this. Well, we're not going to, unfortunately, we're not going to know Unless something crazy happens, we're not yeah. going to know until November 23rd when they do the kind of re right. reallocation of the of these you know votes. Because right. for a lot of the legislative races, we're going to know because there's just two or three people, and somebody will get half the vote in the first round. But for the statewide race, I think very likely all three are going to go to the. Except I have seen some polling that shows Peltola might maybe c- could pull it off in the first round. I don't know if she will, but she could start in the high 40s. She's run a really good campaign. I mean, she's you know she's a very moderate person. She's she appeals to Republicans and Democrats and she um has run a very good campaign. I think uh I think she is the right replacement for Don Young. I think when Don Young's daughter gave her the bolo tie at AFN, I mean, I think a lot of people saw that as a very extremely symbolic kind of move and and uh, I think plus a lot of Don Young staffers have been supporting her and then Palin and Begich have been They've been not fighting as much, but for the whole campaign, they were kind of going after each other. Now they haven't really campaigned a lot. I mean, they've they've quit raising. I mean, Potola raised like millions of dollars after the after the her win in August, and Palin and Begich aren't raising as much and aren't really. I mean, I'm getting all kinds of Mary on Facebook and online and in the mail. I've yeah. seen very little from Begich and Palin. So, I mean, Potola could end up winning in the first round. Yeah, she could. Uh, she's a good person. So uh, um, you you served with her, right? She yep. was. 
Because she was out in 2008, I guess. Somewhere around there. Bright woman, you know, um, and, uh, you know, we'd be lucky to have her as a congresswoman. I think Republicans, Democrats, independents, we'd all be lucky to have her as a congresswoman. I guess you would have been in her caucus, right? Because she was in the mi- minority caucus with you? I think there were p- years where we were in the same caucus and years where um, s- some of the rural legislators may have joined the Republican majority. I, I can't remember for sure. And uh, um, uh, honestly, I can't remember. Uh, so it's I funny how it used to be like like Bryce and Neil Foster, Bryce Edgman and and Bob Heron and Neil, I mean, for a long time, that was the norm for these rural Democrats to join with them. But then now that's really kind of changed the flip side after the, the coalition started in 2016. I remember serving on the finance committee with Mary. She was in the caucus those years and uh, she was really a bright light on the finance committee. That was the year Bethel finally got a swimming pool, right? This is a community where people live on a river and were drowning and didn't have a swimming pool. And that was a big priority. And she and Lyman uh, got the swimming pool through. Well, Les, it's been great, great, great talking to you. I know it's been a long campaign, almost you know a year and a half. So, well, uh, we'll see in a couple of days how it shakes out. Then, obviously, this ranked choice deal, and they're going to do it. They're going to do the retabulation on November twenty third at four p.m. right before Thanksgiving. So, yeah, you got twenty two days to write a budget once you become governor if uh, if it's if it's me or Bill. So, I've actually written about that, and I've said you know if, if Dunleavy wins, it's it's not as a big big of a deal because he's already you know, governor. He's got the apparatus in place. But if you or Bill win, um. Man, you got to come hit, hit the ground running with this budget, which is due to December fifteenth, and 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 commissioners and appointees and basically you know putting together a government. I mean, it's got to happen because the governor takes office the first Monday in December, whereas the legislature starts in mid January. Yeah, I mean, if you know, we believe we believe the numbers are going to be close. If they look, if they're what we think they're going to be, you're going to have to start putting together a team and a transition team, and uh, and hopefully a transition team that goes to Juno, not one that you. Just what, what, what do I get? Am I am I, uh, am I press secretary? You you, f- you fit with the, with everybody else out kidding, there. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Which is no jobs offered till after the election. I, I've actually been offered. You know, a lot of people always when I write something that someone doesn't like, they oh he's trying to get a fucking job, and I've actually been offered several jobs in the legislature. And I've always, because I like doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be a, I, I, I think as a staffer, I'd probably get fired on day one because I'd say something very loud and obnoxious and I'd call somebody stupid. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see you working for a legislator and, uh, and being told what to do uh, and loving it. I see myself maybe, you know, tra- for four to eight year trajectory, maybe, maybe going for governor. You know, what do you think? Have at it. <laughs> Have at it. Um, yeah. Um, I've tried legislature. I couldn't win. You know, I gotta, I gotta go for the. Bigger, bigger office. Yeah, depending on who the governor is, I might vote for you. So, uh, well, well, we'll let you know. That's I guess so. Four years in four years, or if, even if Dunleavy were to win in four years, there would definitely be a new governor because he'd be termed out. So. Right, right. It'll be a uh, interesting kind of next, yeah. next, next four years. We're hoping there's a new governor in a, in a few weeks. So um, uh, that's that's why we put 14 months into this. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, I didn't want to put 14 months of my life into this. I think you know me well enough that that I drug myself away from a fishing stream for 14 months. Hey, you, you didn't go fishing much this summer, did you? None. I, uh, one day at a, in a kayak, I dropped the line, but, um, but yeah, no fishing this summer. Well, thanks again for coming in Les, and, uh, best of luck. And we'll, we're going to have our, our big coverage, live coverage on Tuesday. We'll send out an email to all the campaigns and hopefully, hopefully you can come on either in person or on zoom. Uh, we're going to hang out. Uh, Kelly and I are going to hang out with friends and supporters and staff and volunteers at our house. That's uh, that's where we're going well, to If you want to pop on on Zoom, we'd love to have you on for a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe. I'll okay. see, what, see what Kelly says. Thanks a lot, Les. All Appreciate right. Appreciate you coming in. Okay, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Land.